Welcome back to another episode of the Newt News Podcast. It's me, Andrew, minus Sandy today, but we are still doing our bold predictions for 2024. If you have looked on Twitter at all, or even just kind of go back uh, a couple weeks ago to an episode we had, you'll see some of our bold predictions for 2023, or at least Andrew's and Sandy's. And let's just say they didn't go so well. Um, my bold predictions weren't much better. I think I hit a few. Andrew, did you hit any of them for 2023? Oh, you're muted. Yeah, no, I did not. Um, it was it was really bad. I think I had Tyler O'Neill and Jack Flaherty both finishing top something in awards. Um, I had Wayno tossing a no hitter that didn't end up happening, and like a bunch of other things that were just not great. Sandy hit one of his that Miles Michaelis would receive an extension, but I feel like if we could go back and make it so that he could get none of his bull predictions <laughs> right, we probably would. So um, I don't know. Um, We'll do better this time. My bold prediction yeah. for this year is that I will get one of my bold predictions right. Yeah, and my bold prediction is Twitter won't hate me anymore. So that's... I don't think Twitter hates me. I'm more the the vocal minority at times, but that's okay. Uh, I don't I don't know if we'll ever get rid of the Twitter mob, but it happens. So we'll jump. In. We're just going to jump straight into it because I think we've got a lot of them. I think they're fun, but we also want to get to some of your bold predictions as well. <clears throat> so if you have any as we're in the chat, go ahead and throw them in there, and we'll try to react to them probably toward the end of the episode. So if you want to throw them in there, we might not get to it right away, but we will at some point. If you're listening to audio, you can go check on Twitter. We had a bunch of replies and we're going to try and react to some of those as well. I think we have like 40 something so far, bold takes. Um, so yeah, throw some in the chat as we're going through or react to ours too. We'd love to know, but I'll go ahead and start and lead off with mine. And I don't think it's this, this is all that bold, but I do think it's going to be bold to other people or at least some people within Cardinal Nation. So we'll start off my, my first bold prediction is that the Cardinals will have a top 10 bullpen in all of baseball. We put ERA plus on there as like a definitive point, but I'm just going to say in general, like it'll be clear that the Cardinals have a top 10 bullpen in all of baseball next year. And it's quite a jump if they're able to pull that off. Um, they ranked 23rd in bullpen ERA last year. They were like seventh in blown leads, I think. 20-something blown saves. Uh, some of that's because Ryan Helsley was out. So I think that's like an easy, like, hey, if he's healthy, it already gets a little bit better. We've talked about this at length on the show, though. Jordan Hicks was terrible in April, was good in May and June, but traded in July. So you really only had two good months of Jordan Hicks. GEO was not himself last year and only had small stretches where he was good. Um, obviously, Helsley missed a lot of the year, and the JoJo was only really good during the second half. So <clears throat> they really only had like one or two reliable high leverage guys at any point last year, and usually it was more like one. And then Stratton and Verhagen were like decent relievers, but there's a reason why Verhagen didn't get an MLB deal this offseason. And Chris Stratton wasn't like an eighth, ninth inning guy. He was a guy you threw out in the sixth, seventh innings. And is like a, your fourth or fifth best reliever at best on your team. They've replaced that in like Jacob Barnes and um, Casey Lawrence, Jake Woodford, Ryan Tapera, Andrew Suarez, all those guys. They've replaced them with Keenan Middleton and Andrew Kittredge, which are two definitive high leverage arms. And then like a Nick Robertson, Riley O'Brien, uh, Ryan Fernandez, a bunch of different options. And so you look at like the opening day bullpen right now or what it could look like. You've got like four or five guys that are going to start in Memphis that I actually feel better about than what the Cardinals had last year. So going from 23rd to top 10 feels really realistic to me, especially if the rotation is giving them more innings and a little bit more quality than they did last year so that the bullpen isn't like imploding just based off of the fact that they're being overworked. Now they're not going to have as much stress on them, hopefully, but then they're also a better group as well. Andrew, you look at that prediction. How does that sit with you? honestly seems pretty good to me 
Um, one guy you didn't mention is Palante, who I'm really excited to see this spring yeah. uh, and this season. He's been controlling <clears throat> his arsenal and trying to figure out what went wrong last year, try to get back to what, what went right in 2022. Um, and yeah, if everybody's healthy, we've built up a lot of bullpen. Depth. Even if Helsley isn't healthy and he gets hurt somehow um, at the start of the year, I feel like we still have a pretty good group that could finish top 10 um, by yeah. year plus or whatever metric we want to look at. Um, so yeah, it seems like a seems like a not so bold prediction. I feel like you might you're probably gonna end up hitting this one. Um, so um, some of the later ones though down the line um, are yeah. gonna get a little bigger. <clears throat> but um, yeah, this one seems perfectly reasonable to me. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. I don't think it's all that bold, but I do think there's some people who think the bullpen's still horrible. So like in that market, I mean, I don't know how big of a group that is. This will feel bold, I think. Um, but then also like Adam Coffinstein, Jordan uh, or Gordon Graceffo, Tink Kent, Tako Roby, um, Sam Rubbers, like Matthew Libertor, Zach Thompson. There are just so many different names. And kind of like the Cardinals offense last year, how it fell off from being a top seven unit at the deadline to like around the 20s in a lot of rankings. Like they just started throwing out random arms out there toward the end of the year. So I don't think the bullpen would have finished as bad if they had been trying to bring more arms in, but they didn't. They tore it down. So that's you look at where they finished. It wasn't like obviously the bullpen started off really bad, but I think it could have been better at the end of the year. But now I really do think it's definitively taken a step forward. So that's my first bull prediction. Um, we don't have Sandy with us today, but he did give us his five predictions. So we'll react to those in between ours and we'll just kind of give our quick takes on what we think. Um, Sandy's first one is pretty bold, but it's also not the craziest in the world, but it's also very on brand for him. <laughs> so I think we'll, we'll all agree that when Sandy says Sonny Gray wins the national league Cyan award, <laughs> Andrew, what do you think, man? I mean, I haven't looked at the betting odds on this. Um, I'm pretty sure he's not the favorite though. Um, no, so that'll be a, a bold prediction for that. He might not even be on the list of, um, contenders right now, but, um, I feel like. It, it's possible it's like maybe like a three percent chance of happening i don't know there there's there's a lot of things have to go right for sunny gray a lot of things went right for sunny gray last year um if garrett cole wasn't in the american league then he would have won the Cy Young award um but i feel like there's a lot of guys in the national league that have better stuff than sunny gray um we can look around um I mean, Corbin Burns obviously is not here anymore. So um, yeah. he's, he's off in the American League. That's one of the guys that that I feel like could have won the award. I don't remember who my Cy Young – oh, it was, I think my Cy Young pick was Logan Webb, um, who probably has similar chances of Sonny Gray um, to winning that award. Yeah. But um, there's other guys you look around. Um, Yamamoto could do it. That would be really exciting yeah. for, for the Dodgers. Glass now, obviously, and then Wheeler, Nola for the Phillies. Totally. Um, just kind of look around. Um, Justin Steele. Um, don't really want him to win the Cy Young. That would be pretty <laughs> problematic for us um, going down be. the stretch. Um, but there's just a lot of guys that um, a lot of talent. Strider, Max Fried. Um, just kind of going through all the the different contenders. But yeah, I feel like Sonny Gray's top ten, top fifteen pitcher in the National League, and um, we could definitely see him. Like if he if he has a really good year, I could see it. But we haven't had a Cy Young winner since Chris Carpenter, so. Um, I'm not going to bank on it. It'd be awesome if he did. So I was looking, uh, Logan Webb, actually, your pick has the third best betting odds right now on DraftKings. Um, I had Zach Wheeler, his second best. Spencer Strider is the leader right now. Gray comes in at 11th. So that's that's pretty good. Um, the one is Nola, Glass now, Senga, Steele, Freed, Yamamoto, Webb, Gallon, Wheeler, and Strider all ahead of him for National League. <clears throat> so it's not crazy that Gray can win Cy Young. Um, <clears throat> it would be so awesome. I, 
I wouldn't like if this take was he finishes top 10 or 15, I would be like, oh, that's easy. Like not easy, but it, it's something I could totally see winning it, though. I mean, it's tough. I mean, he, he put up probably a career year last year and you just can't top Garrett Cole. So maybe the National League's a little bit easier. There's probably more guys that could win it, but there's not necessarily like the Garrett Cole that like can go off and win. I don't know. Maybe Strider is that guy. But so, yeah, I liked it. Your take, though, I really like, and I I also wanted to say this, but we didn't want to repeat takes, so Andrew Andrew gets this one, but I will put my stamp of approval that Jordan Walker receives MVP votes this year. Um, a reminder, MVP votes, you can finish like 20th in MVP if you get like one 10th place vote. So it's not the craziest thing in the world for him to get that. I don't think Andrew's saying top three or anything. But what, what do you mean by that take? Do you think he's like a top 10, top 15 MVP vote finisher? Or do you think he's a guy that gets like a couple eighth and ninth place votes and so he gets in the running somehow? Um, Last year, Jordan Walker finished with a negative B war and negative F war, I believe. Yeah. His defense was just so bad. Um, But if his defense was league average, he'd probably finish with like as like a two, three war player. Um, I think he had like it was it was really bad defensively, but he's been working on that um, this offseason. Obviously, um, I didn't want to say like top five, top 10, because last year I said Tyler O'Neill would finish top five in MVP voting and not a single Cardinal player got any votes for any awards, which I thought was maybe warranted. I feel like Jordan Walker could have gotten maybe one or two back end rookie of the year votes. But um, other than that, yeah, nobody really deserved um, any votes and anything really um, for the Cardinals, maybe Montgomery, but we traded him. So um, that mm-hmm. didn't end up happening. But um He's been elevating, trying to elevate his launch angle. He even added a little bit of bat speed this offseason to what was already like super elite bat speed um, yeah. that he had last year. So I think he's going to put a lot of things together this season. Uh, I'm really confident in Jordan Walker. Um, let's say top 10 in MVP voting. Um, but um, okay. we're not going to officially say anything on that. So like if he finishes like 11, <laughs> I'll, still, I'll still get this one because I don't want to. I don't know why I had Tyler O'Neill in top five in MVP voting. I'm really not sure. I, um, I mean, I, I don't think it's that crazy. I was hoping he bounced back last year. I mean, he's yeah. shown it before too. Like technically Walker's never shown it. So, yeah. um, and I also think too, like, anyways, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of this. I would have said top 10. I think he gets like a nine, 10 um, place finisher potentially. And like, if you look at like fan graphs, this zips projections, their 80th percentile projections for Jordan Walker, um, I'd have to look. I think um, I was going to bring this up later, but they had him as a 142 WRC plus guy in the 80th percentile, which that means like he has one of the best possible seasons he could have. I think he's got it in him. I'm really excited to see Walker this year. So um, I'm feeling I'm feeling good about that prediction, Andrew. I think you're gonna you're gonna do well with that one. So those are three so far. We've got some in the chat. Caleb Noble just threw one in there. That like, come on, <laughs> the Taylor Motter finishes with a 115 WRC plus. Okay, hey, that's okay. kind of what they got Matt Carpenter at. So I that's wouldn't be true. too shocked. So we'll go, we'll we'll address more of the ones in the chat and Twitter at the end. We'll get through ours first. Caleb had a good one on Twitter that I do want to talk about too. Um, but before that, um, before we get into our second predictions. Um, from because we chat five, I just want to give a quick shout out to today's podcast sponsor, Tracy's Karate. Um, Tracy's Karate has been serving the local St. Louis community since 1969, and they specialize in private lessons for practical and effective self-defense instruction. Uh, these private lessons allow Tracy's to teach anyone focusing on your personal goals and your own learning style. Try out a free half hour private lesson today. You can do that by calling 314-825-0555. 
or visit tracys.com for more details. It's a fantastic opportunity to learn valuable self-defense skills. And if you decide to sign up, please let them know. Myself, Andrew, and Sandy from the New News Podcast sent you. Again, you can call them at 314-821-0555. And their website is tracys.com. Let them know that we sent you from the New News Podcast. So chopping it up into the next... <laughs> what a transition. It's on the next prediction here. Um, my second bold prediction. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks, Tracy. Is that f- over five Cardinals next year are going to qualify and have a WRC plus over 120. Now, I don't know how if people realize how crazy this would be. Last year, the Atlanta Braves are the only team in baseball to have this. Now, I'm not saying at all that they're going to have the Atlanta Braves lineup because Acuna put up like 170 and Olsen put up like 160. Like there's they have the depth of a lineup and they have the superstar talent. I do think what the Cardinals are able to do this year, though, is that they're going to put up multiple seasons of guys that are 20 percent or more above league average, which is an incredible lineup. Um, last year, Goldie did that. He had 122 WRC or WRC plus. <clears throat> Contreras had 127 WRC plus, but he didn't qualify. He didn't get enough enough at bats. But those are two guys that already proved it last year. Newbar was at 118 WRC plus, and honestly, I think he would have easily hit the over on that if he wasn't hurt so much. Now, health is a real thing, but we're not talking about outside of Arenado and Goldie guys who had down years last year. We're talking about guys who had health issues. I can name seven different Cardinals that I think could easily hit the over 120. <clears throat> Goldie, Newt. Heard that one before. Hey, seven all-stars is different from seven. <laughs> That's Sandy <laughs> go way out there. This is seven 120 WRC plus, which puts you as like a top 40 hitter in baseball, by the way. Uh, at least if by WRC plus. I know it's not everything, but it's it's a stat I really like. So Goldie, Newbar, Contreras, Donnie, who had 118 last year, Gorman, who was 118 last year, Walker, who was 116 last year, and then Arnado, who was at 107, but is usually consistently over 120. And honestly, you could put sneaky picks of like an Alec Burleson as 120. Again, I'm not going to put him, if I had to predict it wouldn't be him, but like there's a world. Um, and then Dylan Carlson, especially if he's platooning against left-handed pitching, he, he wouldn't qualify. So I don't know if he'd hit on this, but he could put up 120 or more. I, um, I'm definitely gonna hit the hit this one. I, I think it's bold, but I think it's gonna happen. Like I'm, I, if I had to put any of them as I'm com- most confident in, it's this one. Um, and if I had to bet, I actually think a multiple of them go over 130 as well. Um, and those guys, I would probably put as Gorman and Walker are the two guys that pick over 130. With um, Contreras maybe getting up there, um, but I think it's pretty easy. We see 120 from five plus hitters. How does that sit with you? Yeah, I feel like that that makes a lot of sense. Um, you mentioned the guys who were super close last year already. And 120 WRC plus is just 20% over league average. It's not that crazy. Um, so Yeah, out of qualified hitters, though, that puts you in the top 40 last year. Yeah. I went to check that. So that's like, I mean, uh, I'll pull it up on here, like what kind of hitters that is, but it's pretty good, pretty good company. Yeah, um, I feel like, I mean, qualified is, is hard because if like, one of those guys goes down then yep um, they're not going to be qualified um if they go down for any like stretch of like time that's like uh, significant so yeah um i could see like you said goldie arnado probably going to do it Contreras, um and then Newbar, gorman walker donovan just like pick a couple of those guys to do it and then yeah 
yeah, that would be a really, really good season offensively. I feel like it's it's bold, but it's it's definitely possible. Um, it's not it's not seven all stars level, but it's also still. <laughs> Um, we're gonna we're gonna have um, one of the top lineups in all of baseball, probably behind the the Braves and the the Dodgers. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's any AL teams that have have better lineups than that, but um, yeah, I feel like it's it's bold, but it makes sense. Yeah, there's 44 hitter qualified hitters last year that 120 um, WRC plus or higher, and guys that like just missed are Santander, Kyle Schwarber, Will Smith, Newbar, Guerrero. Um, Michael Harris, Bobby Witt barely missed these 115. And then you had guys that go slightly over like Lindor, Alonzo, Wade, Yelich, Goldschmidt. So like these aren't like pretty good hitters. These are guys you want <clears throat> batting anywhere in the middle of your order, top of your lineup. And if you have five or more of them, it's pretty good. So I'm saying at least five, but I could see more. Um, Sandy's prediction is similar, but different. And I also like his too. I think it's a variation of mine. And he thinks there's going to be eight qualified hitters with the 105 WRC plus or higher, which again, as we just talked about, there's seven different guys that can go to 120. But then you also put in like Tommy Edmonds done over 105 before. So he's a guy that could do that. Um, Mason Wynn, I think that's probably a stretch to ask Mason to be over league average at the plate this year. But who knows? Ivan Herrera, Burleson, um, I feel like I'm missing someone right now. Honestly, Matt Carpenter could even do that in a small sample size. He wouldn't be qualified though. So I don't think he'd fit into that. Um, but yeah, I, I also like this too. Cause I think the strength of the Cardinals lineup is not, they don't necessarily have the middle of the order unless, unless Jordan Walker, Nolan Gorman and guys like that take steps forward this year, then they could start having a middle of the order that competes with some of the best in baseball. But what they have is they have like a lot of guys that that are probably the top three or four hitter on any team or top two even sometimes, but they have like five, six of them. And so they might not be the superstar that's going to win MVP, but they have so many of these really, really good bats that are just below that level potentially. Um, so that's the strength of this lineup is that they have a lot of those guys and they go deep. So Andrew, do you, I mean, it's kind of similar as the one before, but any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm looking at the OPS plus uh, graph for um, on baseball reference for our team last year. And not all of these guys are qualified, but the guys um, who had an OPS plus over 105 are Wilson Contreras, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Gorman, Nolan Arenado, Lars Newbar, Jordan Walker, Brendan Donovan, um, Yvonne Herrera, and Richie Palacios. Um, so yeah. that's already like 11 guys. That's a lot of guys. Um, that yeah. Get it. The only guys um, on the depth chart that didn't do it are Paul DeYoung and Tyler O'Neill, who aren't on the team anymore. So. crazy also some random one things i meant to throw out there when i talked about my prediction um donnie he was 118 and he was climbing big time before he got hurt in 2022 he did 128 wrc plus which would have put him last year as like a top easily top 30 hitter in baseball oh my gosh last year if he had 128 he would have been the 19th best hitter in baseball by wrc plus so donnie's shown he can do it um walker when he was called back up in june from june on the rest of the season he had 120 wrc plus and he had 126 in his last 56 games or something like that um gorman had 118 on the season but he was 137 up, uh, so 37 percent above league average in every month of the season outside of june june was that horrible month where he put up a 22 wrc plus now gorman's streaky so you you can't be like oh he won't have a month that's bad again because he even had a couple other months in there that are in the 80s but he, as long as he doesn't like 
tank like that again, which is crazy how bad he was. He's easily over 120 in the potentially 130 range. So I like that. So speaking of another young hitter and potentially how they could do uh, Andrew's second bull prediction, I also really like Newt Bar selected as an all-star. Andrew, give me the case for why Newt, by the time July hits around, will be a star, all-star at this point. Um, yeah, so Lars Newtbar being an all-star was one of my bold predictions last year, but that didn't work um, because basically as soon as opening day started, uh, he got hurt um, and basically kind of erased his all-star candidacy because he just didn't yeah. play a lot in the first half. Um, but if you look at um, the Cardinals' rankings in B-War, which we've had a unique B-War leader every year since 2011, which is yeah. crazy um, to say. So like, I, I hope that continues next year. I hope it's, it's somebody that we haven't had. Um, but Lars Newpar was third behind Wilson Contreras and Paul Goldschmidt and by like 0.1 uh, war point. So um, he only played like 115, 120 games. He missed a lot of time due to his injuries. So I feel like um, if if the All-Star game was in the second half last year, you make a real case for the Cardinals All-Star to be Lars Newpar. Yeah. Uh, he was one of the one of the best um, Cardinals all around last year, and he just didn't play a lot. I feel like if he plays and stays healthy, it's a pretty easy pick for for me um, as as one of our all stars. Are we gonna have seven? Probably not, but I feel like three or four is reasonable for next year. Um, and Newpar could easily become uh, one of those guys. He's also super popular with fans, and it's a it's a fan vote at the end of the day. So um, you you rally some of the the like anyone can vote from anywhere in the world. So you, we we started a little campaign in Japan, um, and we're <laughs> they are real quick, right? Like they're gonna just True. vote him in um, like that. So um, I feel like there's just a lot of a lot of pieces for him um, to get into the All Star game, and I feel like. Pretty, pretty, um, pretty straightforward if, if he manages to, to play a full season. Yeah. Last year, um, oh, I don't have his WRC plus, but he had an 846 OPS in the second half of 2022 when he became a full time player. And then his longest stretch of games without injury because he had that broken finger on opening day. And then he had a back injury, which that's a real thing. That's not a like that's not a fluke injury. But then he had the groin injury later. But between the back and the when he hit the foul ball off his groin, he had an 8.93 OPS, and that was in uh, I think like 200 plate appearances or something like that. It's a long stretch of baseball. So Newt's definitely shown the ability to be an all-star caliber hitter, um, <clears throat> and he plays good defense in left field too. So um, I like that prediction, and that's a good. Left field is also notoriously like shallow position um right True. now there's like i think it's corbin carroll and that's kind of it there's not really a lot of left fielders um in the national league that are, are really gonna gonna do well so even if corbin carroll wins the starting role lars newpar would be the backup yeah i could totally see that especially like i do i do think they get multiple all-stars this year like that are on merit but then like they're gonna have to have one at least and so like there's probably a good chance that he could be a third base is pretty deep now. So like Nolan might have a hard time being that guy. Um, Contreras, I think for catcher has a good shot though, but then like second base Gorman has a good shot, but there's a, there's a chance that like if it came down to work, they just had to have one all-star that Newt could be that guy too. But I think he makes it on merit. So, um, <clears throat> so my set third bold prediction here, um, the which is just a crazy stat. It's been so long. The Cardinals win their first playoff series since 2019. That's wild that it's been since they got swept by the Nationals in the in the NLCS that they've won a playoff series. And the playoff series, the one against the Braves, is kind of odd too. So that's a 
it's an interesting one to look back on. And honestly, they had a good chance of winning the one against the Phillies. They kind of, I mean, they had game one in the bag. And then obviously the Ryan Helsley situation happened. It's tough. But I do think the Cardinals make the playoffs this year. Um, I I think they're, the, in my opinion, they're the, maybe not the clear cut, but I think they're, I think it's pretty safe to say they're the favorite right now. I think the Reds, in my opinion, are the only other team that I'm really nervous about. I'm not nervous about the Brewers, the Cubs, maybe if they add a couple of big names, I'm more nervous about the Cubs in 2025 and 2026 because of this young talent coming. I do think it's real. I do think the NL central will be a lot better in a few years here. And the Cardinals have to be ready for that. Um, but I do think they make the playoffs and then, I do think if they're in the playoff hunt, we'll talk about one of us's prediction later. I'm assuming they're going to add. And hopefully, so this is pointed out to me the other day. I thought it was a really good point. The Cardinals have had to be very reactionary at the deadline in recent years because they've had huge needs like back-end needs, like things like you can't not have a fourth and fifth starter. You have to go do it. If they have a rotation that's intact, they might be able to actually upgrade it for once. Like Jordan Montgomery ended up doing that, but that wasn't necessarily, they weren't acquiring him as an ace, right? Like he was going to be a good arm and it'd be a lot better. I think they could go out and make a bigger play. So I think they would make, they'd make a good move at the deadline or maybe a couple moves. The young, again, if they're making the playoffs, I think that means the young talents brimming and the young talents brimming. Then that means Goldschmidt or Anonymous might not even be your best players anymore. They might be like the fourth or fifth, fifth best players in this team, which that's a really good lineup. And then, you stack them up like I think the, they wouldn't be facing the Braves or the Phil or the Dodgers in round one if they win the division. They'd be facing the worst wild card team, and then that's probably like the Diamondbacks or um, which I know they just made the World Series and they've gotten better. So maybe it's not even the Diamondbacks. It might be like the the Reds or something like that. I think they have a good chance of winning up their first playoff series since 2019. And that's as far as I think they get. I don't see them beating the Braves, the Dodgers, but it's it's also baseball. You never know. So, Andrew, do you think them winning a playoff series is – do you even think that's bold? I think it's bold in the minds of Cardinal fans, but what do you think? I don't think a central team has won a playoff series since, like – since I, I think the last time an NL central team won a playoff series is when we beat the Braves. I'm actually fairly confident in that. Yeah, I don't know if the Brewers have. 2020, we sent four teams to the playoffs in that weird, like, eight-team playoff yeah. on each side, and all four teams lost in the first round. Oh, man. Um, and then 2021, um, we lost the wild card game. The Brewers lost the Braves. And then 2022, we lost the Phillies. Um, and then 2023, the Brewers lost the Diamondbacks in the wild card round. So um, I think that was the last uh, time any NL Central team won a playoff series to begin with, which is – kind of crazy to see how bad this division has gotten in the last couple of years. Um, but I think it's fair. I feel like as long as the Phillies were a bad matchup um, for us, um, they have a very playoff, like very wild card series uh, rotation um, for Nola and Wheeler at the top. And you just need to win two games. So after, yeah. after that, it's kind of done. Um, but I, I feel like the Phillies are going to do better. Uh, they and the Braves might contend for the NL East this year. <clears throat> Probably not. Don't really feel like betting against the Braves to to win that division. But then after that, the, the NL is really thin. Like, um, yeah, it's really top heavy. Uh, the Dodgers, Braves, Phillies, Cardinals, and then like the Diamondbacks and the Reds kind of floating around. You don't really know who who's going to take the last couple spots. So I feel like um, as long as you don't run into a team like the Phillies, like who who start off poorly um, and then have to settle for that third wild card spot, then I feel like it's it's pretty reasonable, pretty doable. But it's also a three-game wildcard series. You, you never know what's going to happen. Um, exactly. <clears throat> um, 
don't but know even why. the Phillies, like, I mean, they had that that top two last time around too. And the Cardinals, again, they should have beat them. They had Jose Quintana. Wait, was no uh, Miles Michaelis went game one or was it Jose? It was Quintana. Quintana. Um, yeah, and he, he went like six, five or six scoreless. Yeah, and he went right up against Wheeler, or was it Nola game one? Man, I'm like Wheeler. Wheeler. And they should have won that game. And then game two, the Michaelis and the bullpen only held the, I think the Phillies only scored two runs. So like, again, a short playoff series, anything can happen. Um, <clears throat> we'll see. Uh, I, I do. I don't think it's that crazy, but I think it's bold to other people. So that's why yeah. I put it in there. Um, the next you know, one. can be the Dodgers. I mean, I, anything can happen. Like, yeah. I don't think the Diamondbacks should beat the Dodgers last year, but they did. I would put those odds even less this year, but because also like the Dodgers bolt rotation wasn't was in shambles at the end of the year. So like they're actually it actually wasn't that crazy now to think about the Dodgers loss because they had Lynn Miller and I don't even remember who Kershaw. Kershaw threw a third of an inning and gave up like six runs. I forgot about that. So I do think it's hard to beat them, but I do think if the Cardinals against any team outside of the Dodgers and Braves, I give them a pretty good shot. It doesn't mean they're favored, but I think it's realistic that they win the series. Braves and Dodgers, it's like 10%. Like you, you'd favor them 90% of that series. But um, <clears throat> here's another kind of – actually, I don't really think – again, I don't think this is that bold as long as they stay healthy. But, um, again, I think in our minds, like we don't think these are bold, but there are fans out there who do think they are. So that's why some of them made the list, I feel like. Sandy has um, Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn combining for 30 plus quality starts in 2024, which they are getting older. So just because they've done this in the past doesn't mean they're guaranteed to keep doing it. Um, while you give me your take, Andrew, on it, and I'm going to go real quick. I've got the numbers and how many quality starts they combined for last year. But what do you think of this? I feel like um, it would be really nice if they if they did that. And the the easiest part about quality starts are giving up four or fewer runs. I feel like less and less these days. You have the pitchers going six plus innings, which is the other requirement for a quality start. Yeah. Um, and Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, we kind of signed them to go along um, innings innings wise. So this kind of means that they they um, have a quality start about like every other start, um, slightly yeah. less than that because um, you expect them to make like 31, 32 <laughs> starts every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I feel like I don't know. It's tough because um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of a lot of like starts where they go six innings and give up like five runs. Um, but we're also going to see the starts where they they go like seven innings and give up two runs, um, and that's fine. That's a quality start, um, and they'll give us a chance to win. And I feel like I I think people are undervaluing undervaluing having one of these guys on the team. Um, should we have both of them? Probably not. Um, but I feel like it, one of these guys is definitely necessary to like allow the, the team to continue, like the bullpen to, to stay fresh and the rotation yeah. to not have to like stretch Jack Flaherty out into like the sixth inning on 120 pitches because yesterday Dakota Hudson only gave you two innings. Like that's just not something that we're going to see a lot of this, this year because Lance Lynn Gibson are going to eat a lot of those innings for us. Yeah. Um, and having an innings eater on a team that's trying to win, win games is always, always needed. Um, and then just in the playoffs, there's more off days, there's more rest time so that you can slot them in the bullpen. It's, it's okay. Yeah. I was talking to someone else about this the other day. And I think the average number five starter last year on a team had a 5.3 ERA and the average like four had like a 4.7 and average three had like a four point something. So I think sometimes you overinflate how much production you actually get from a number five starter. Cause you look at like the two rotations in baseball that have like a quality guy at number five. And it's like, 
yeah, that's why they have the best rotation in baseball. Most teams don't have that. Um, <clears throat> but Miller. last year, what was that? Bobby Miller is going to be like a fifth star of this yeah. year. Yeah, or like the Mariners. It's like Brian yeah. Wu or Bryce Miller. It's like, it's crazy. Um, last year, the combination of Wainwright, Drew Romp, Dakota Hudson, Matthew Libertor, and Jake Woodford made 60 starts for the Cardinals, which is about, again, that's basically the equivalent of what Lennon Gibson should be giving them. And they combined for 10 quality starts and 60 outings. That's the problem that like that's or one of the problems that people just aren't like wrapping their head. Not okay. I'm overgeneralizing. There are some people that don't are not seeing the value of quality starts. It was a big issue last year. The Cardinals only got it from 17% of their starts from those 60 starts last year. Wayne only had four Hudson only had far four. Rahm and Woody gave zero and Libby gave two. Gibson and Lynn last year combined for 65 starts and they gave 30 quality starts, which is 46% of their starts. And then here's the, here's the, here's the rub. You're like, Oh, some people might be like, okay, but like, how does that lead to winning games? The Cardinals are 34 and 19 last year when they got a quality start. That's the better than the best winning percentage in baseball last year. They were 37 and 72 when they didn't get a quality start, which also part of that's because the bullpen, um, which is a worse winning percentage than the Rockies who are the worst team in baseball last year. So again, this is not a win in the postseason strategy, but I do think it's a strategy that should help you win a lot more games, which is what they need to do. Um, but they also need to upgrade the top of the rotation if they want to be anything more than a team that can win the NL Central. So I do think this is a great prediction. Um, <clears throat> and you go back to the Miles Michaelis like we joked about earlier, but I think in an ideal world, they don't have they didn't ex extend Michaelis. And then you could have done both Lynn and Gibson because I think then they could have both been the four and five. Matt's could slot in as that like three-ish, and then you go out and get that two. That's a much better rotation. But the Michaelis factor is just tough because I don't you hope he does what they do, but you also don't know if he can because his stuff is diminished. So I kind of get why they got some security there. I'm not defending it. I just understand the thinking, but I also think they also need a number two. I think both can be true. Um, So your third prediction, I, I think this is fun. I would love if this happens. You think Brendan Donovan is going to contend for the batting title. Tell me more. Yeah. So um, Brendan Donovan, uh, obviously a very contact driven hitter. Um, and he's worked on um, being more aggressive at the plate last last year. I think walks um, plate discipline was something that he really valued um, his rookie season and kind of at the start last year. Um, but um, pitchers kind of caught notice and they started throwing him a lot more first pitch strikes because he wasn't that aggressive. But I feel like Donovan could figure out like a way this season to, to become more aggressive, to, to um, put the bat on the ball more often. Um, kind of more contact oriented, like Luis Arise. Kind of, they, they kind of strike me as similar um, hitters. Um, Donovan has a little bit more power, but I feel like he could hit like 300, uh, 310, maybe even. Um, and if if we get another guy like that, he's going to contend for the batting title. Um, why not? Um, it's kind of um, something that's a little bit less talked about is just how how good Donovan can be. I want him to lead off um, for me, not on opening day. I want Lars Newpar to to have a crack at his his friend Yamamoto because um, I think that's a that's a fun story. But um, after that, um, we'll have we'll have Donovan hitting lead off for us every day because I just feel like his contact tool um, is much more valuable um, in getting on base than than Lars Newpar. And Lars Newpar batting third last year was really good. Um, batting third or fifth, I feel like would be better. Um, and he's just gonna. 
he's just going to be a really good um, annoying contact hitter for other teams to deal with. He doesn't strike out a lot, which is good um, for for high average. And I, I just I'm really excited to see what Donovan can do. Um, I really liked his attitude at winter warm up um, and I'm just excited. Um, so this this one's probably one of my lesser likely um, predictions because typically he's hitting around like 270, 280. But I feel like if he if he got more aggressive, especially at the start, he could rack up that average really high. Yeah, I think he had a it was I think he's 11th in baseball on batting average or 12th one of the two when he after he made that change. So he definitely was close. So it's actually not that crazy. I would say I mean, I do think it's bold, though, because it's tough to be the like, or you said contend. So yeah. like, I guess what what does contending for a batting title mean to you? Is that like top 10 in batting average? Is that top five? Is that I think just hitting over 300 around like 305, 310, maybe contend. OK, title. I feel like. Like weren't Luis Arise last year hit like 350. Like yeah, no one really contended. I, actually, Freddie Freeman might have contended for the batting title a little bit towards the yeah, end. Yeah, because Arise fell off a little bit, but yeah, but like barring something crazy happening, like somebody hitting like 350, I feel like contending for the batting title is around like hitting 310 or so. Yeah, I like that, and I, I think it's like maybe the part where I'd, I'd cool it a little bit is just because like, uh, so Donnie did have that 10 week stretch, which was amazing. And I do think it shows what he can do, but it, like, again, it's a 10 week stretch. You're going to have slumps. Even he said it in the quote he gave me about the adjustments he made. Like some of it is just baseball. You have great times. You have bad times. I do think a 10 week stretch is, is, is a lot of substance though. So like, I do think he can be a top 20, top 25 guy in batting average at least, but I think he prioritizes more like he wants to, the mash the ball he does he's not just trying to go for singles so i don't think he's necessarily a guy who's just trying to slap hit it like an arises uh or freddie freeman who's just is insane at getting bitten getting on base in any way possible and he also will take a walk when needed to so that's probably where i put like a little bit lower but i like the idea of it and contending i think is that could definitely happen Be yeah i mean power hitters can can hit for average too like goldschmidt yeah. a couple years ago hit like 290 or <clears throat> Last year, showed totally. it at three oh four, so I had to sneak that in there for you. But um, <laughs> gosh, so, um, anyway, that's my NL MVP, um, and yeah. would have been my son. Oh, Brendan Donovan? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Here's one that I also don't think is bold, but I think it's going to be unpopular, which is kind of why I threw it in there. Is I do think, especially if the Cardinals have a good year, that man Ali Marmol will receive a contract extension. I'm you not wanna, here to you t- want to talk about our new merch real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Do we, I wish we had a picture to show people right now. Uh, so Andrew made an awesome shirt that was <laughs> you could describe it. Oh um, it's it's just for Josh. It says holding Mo's water on it. You can go check it out. But I feel like that's kind of what he's doing right now. But it's okay. What? I'll let him go. <laughs> Andrew. We're supposed to be friends. I'm not. So I was going to say before you told me I'm holding those water. Sometimes people just need to listen to my takes before they tell me that. But that's fine. I'm not saying I'm telling you what I think is going to happen. I'm not telling you it's the right thing. I do like Marmol. And I do think in this scenario, he probably will deserve a contract extension. But he has to prove it. And things have to go well. And I do see a scenario where it's Yachty or Dane Descalso or Matt Holiday or someone else as the next manager. I'm, I think it's probably like a fifty. Eh, I'd probably put sixty percent that all these back next year. But I think it's if they start slow. Things don't go well. He, he, it's. I mean, at the end of the day, as a manager, you're judged by your wins and losses. You're not judged by potential. You're judged by what you do on the field. So, he had one good year, one bad year. 
he's in a contract here. This is going to make or break his the rest of his the, the potential of going forward with the Cardinals. It just will. I do think though the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs. They're going to win the division. They'll win a playoff series. And the philosophical differences with Mike Schilt are different than Ali Marmol. Clearly, you do. I mean, we talked about this with Caleb last week. That was an awesome, fun episode. We talked about Ali. Totally go check that out. I thought it was a really good conversation. I thought we had to really have some in-depth conversation about his flaws. And <laughs> there's the whole Nemo's water. So if you want to walk around St. Louis and make fun of me, go for it. I'm going to get one because I just have to for the meme. My dad got one too. So thanks, dad. I appreciate it. Um, maybe we could send one to Mo. Remember how that one guy, I can't remember who it was. Someone sent him flowers one time. Maybe we send him this shirt. Who knows? Well, I would have um, sent him flowers if he did something else. <clears throat> talk about that. Yeah, I know we will. Um, so anyways, my point is, I think he gets a contract extension, um, but requires him to do well. So I'm not gonna, I'm not here to tell you he deserves one right now. He has to prove it. Um, but I do think it ends up resulting in that. And oh, my point about philosophical differences is like, you the thing I thought Caleb brought a really good point of is like if I'm hiring Andrew, if I'm starting this fortune or if I'm Fortune 500 company, I'm hiring Andrew to be my CFO, and he completely disagrees with how I run my organization. He's probably not going to get the job. <laughs> like if we have major differences in how we should do things, I mean, some it's not you don't have to have everyone in the same mind all the time. You want different opinions, but sometimes there's too big of a gap there. And I'm so I am not at all again trying to defend them firing Mike Schilt. I'm just saying like the idea that you could move on from some philosophical differences isn't crazy. The part that I think is crazy is that it's been floated out there so much and we really don't understand what it was. Um, but again, Ollie seems to be in locked up at the front office. They like that. And you kind of need that in this today's game. And I just think they'll do well enough that he gets an extension. So who knows? Yeah, it was Quinn from uh, that put out that the flowers. So that's awesome. Um, okay. So then Sandy's next one, I think this is pretty bold. Um, well, anyways, we'll talk about it. Um, the Cardinals are a top three team in the National League by runs scored. I think last year, I don't know what they finished in the National League, but I think in baseball they finished in like the 20s. And even when they were like at the deadline, I've talked about multiple times, they were a top six to seven offense in almost every statistical category in all of baseball. But then they were like 11th or 12th and run scored last year at that time. <clears throat> so for some reason, they were not like driving in runs, even when all the other metrics said they should have been. Some of that seemed to be unlocked. Some of that seemed to be situational stuff. Some of that, I mean, like <clears throat> when you're middle of the order bats, like Goldschmidt or Arnado aren't performing like they're supposed to, that's going to happen more often. And I also don't think Goldschmidt will stay in the three, two spot the whole season. If he's not like if Jordan Walker's out hitting him, I do think you could see that being moved around. Um, I think this is very possible though. What do you think? Or what do you think? Andrew, I didn't call you Sonny. Also, I don't know. I've, I'm surprised I haven't called you Shohei ever. I think that's two out there, but just because no. like I call Sandy Sonny. <laughs> Someone needs to call um. me last now. Yeah, uh, I feel like this is fairly reasonable. Um, the Cardinals don't play in a pitcher's uh, in a in a hitter friendly park, um, so that's one thing that that kind of deters them from scoring some runs. But like last year, the situational hitting was just awful at the start of the season. Hitting with runners in scoring position, team was kind of unwatchable at times. Because um, I would remember there, there would just be games where like Tommy Edmond would like misplay a ball, like which he doesn't do at all. Um, but then. 
we would let up like four unearned runs and lose the game. And then we would yeah. have the bases loaded with one out. And then um, Alec Burleson would come to the play and ground double play. I don't know. Um, it, it would just happen like that sometimes. So yeah, um, I, I feel like that's maybe going to change this season. We'll see some regression towards the mean. It's definitely bull prediction because I definitely can't see us scoring less runs than the Braves. And I definitely can't see us scoring uh, or more runs uh, than the Braves. And I definitely can't see us scoring more runs than the Dodgers. Um, so that kind of just means out of the teams that aren't like the two powerhouses in the National League, we have to score the most runs out of all of them. Mm-hmm. The Phillies lineup is scary. Um, they hit a lot of home runs. Um, so that's another team I'd be looking at. Maybe the Padres. The Rockies are always weird because they play at Coors and the, they just score a lot of runs there in general, even though they're going to be terrible. Um, so yeah. not sure. Um, I feel like it's definitely possible, but it's it's out there and, and bold, and a lot of things would have to go right for this off season or, or off season for this offense. Um, Jordan Walker probably has to break out in a big way. Nolan mm-hmm. Gorman has to stay healthy and not really have a terrible month at any yeah. point. And I mean, yeah, I can see it all happening, but um, it's it's a lot's got to go right. Yeah, I think in the National League, I would say the Dodgers and Braves easily are the top two. Phillies. Diamondbacks are the only two teams I think really scare me from saying that like that they could finish above the Cardinals, the Reds, maybe I don't see the Padres. Like they've actually, I feel like in my opinion, they've depleted their lineup quite a bit. They still got the core three, but obviously they got rid of Soto, but I think they have like on fan graphs. I think they have like two or three different guys who are non roster invites who are projected to be like significant contributors right now because they've just, They've had to tear down. So I, th- I think the Padres are going to be a lot worse than people think this year. But anyway, you want to guess who finished third last year and run score to the National League? The Brewers. I don't know. Good sound weird. Um, I'll say the Diamondbacks. No. Who was it? The Cubs? The Cubs. Uh, that makes me upset. But okay. It's not happening. So your, your uh, fourth bowl prediction is that Nolan Gorman hits 35-plus home runs. Tell us the path there. Yeah, he just has to stay healthy um, and not have a terrible month of June like he did last year. Um, Because when he's on, he's going to hit – he's going to give you like 10 in a two-week span. Like it's just going to happen. And he got hurt last year. What did he hit, like 28, 29? So he was already pretty close to 35, and he missed a lot of time. He had a really bad month as as we've been kind of harping on this episode. But I, I really like Nolan Gorman to be the like left-handed power bat that we needed um, to save us. Um, I wish we had another one, but um, we don't, and that's fine. Um, but uh, the one, 117 OPS plus last season, despite having just a, a 22, was it 22 WRC plus? That's yeah, just, in June. It's like Taylor it's, Modder. It's 70, 70 plus plate appearances. 77, I think. Insane how bad he was. Yeah. Um, at that point, during that month of June, uh, okay, so what, 79 plate appearances? Yeah. So I've looked. He would have had almost – he had a 136 WRC plus in all other months. Okay. Because Taylor Motter had 82 plate appearances all of last year and a 23 OPS plus. So he was even better than Nolan Gorman in June. That's, so, yeah. So imagine I, Nolan Gorman's worse than Taylor Motter for an entire month. That happened. <laughs> I yeah, don't think he'll well, be that bad again. So I don't think that's that's really possible. Um, and yeah, um, he's going to continue to improve. He's only um, 23 years old. So yeah. um, he's he only still, played 119 games last year and he had 27. 
yeah so if he plays like 140 even like 35 is is within reach um just have to bank on him to stay healthy and kyle schwarber has been the comparison to him um which by the way um espn's fantasy rankings has kyle schwarber ranked like 26th he plays um in the outfield like among all hitters and nolan gorman like 190th or something so um for for you fantasy people out there um when you're drafting take nolan gorman in like the 18th round you get a free um get a free star second base too that's great power Mm -hmm. anyways i like that yeah, so let's keep moving because um, we definitely want to try and hit some of – we're not going to hit everyone's in the chat and Twitter. There's just so many, but we're going to try and hit as many as we can. But um, we'll go through these last three as quick as we can. Mine's um, a building off of Andrews for my fifth bull prediction, fifth and final. My is that three different Cardinals will hit over 30 home runs next year. Um, no one did last year. I think Goldie and Ronaldo both did two years ago, which I think was the first time Cardinal teammates had both hit over 30 in a while. Um, obviously, Gorman got close. So I think the people who could hit over 30, it's Gorman, obviously, which I do think he does, Noren Arnato, and then like Goldschmidt and Walker are probably the four. So I actually think this is pretty bold because it's like he, I kind of had to have like 75% of the people who could hit for this to happen. Like my other ones, it had like five people with over 120 WRC plus, but I identified like seven that could do it or eight. This one, like I basically had to bank on three of three of the four power hitters on this team actually doing it. Contreras probably just won't play enough games, but he does have the power to do it. Um, but yeah, I like that. I, I mean, and I'll say Gorman Walker and Arenado hit over 30 home runs, but Goldie could be the other guy. Do you think that's possible? Do you think this is way out there? What do you think? I feel like Gorman's almost a lock to hit 30 plus home runs if he stays healthy. And then Arenado is going to get pretty close. He's done it every year that he's been up in the majors, except for last year, which is concerning. But I feel like he'll get back there. And Goldschmidt's kind of a little bit of a toss up right now um, because we're not sure where his power numbers are going to be at. I feel like Contreras, if he DHs a lot and we have like a sort of brave situation where they had like Contreras, other Contreras and like Darno a couple years ago. Um, where they had like a catching duo um, behind there, which was a potential bold prediction that we talked about. Um, yeah. But, um, <clears throat> I feel like if he plays, he only played 125 games last year and hit 20 home runs. So if he plays 140 um, and DH is the other like 15 or so, and he gets better and the team doesn't throw him under the bus, then I feel like um, he could easily get there because he hit 22 in 2022 um, with 113 games played. So it's definitely within within reach for Contreras. He has the yeah. potential to do that. Jordan Walker, obviously, if he elevates the ball, he'll hit 30 home runs um, pretty easily. Um, and you never know. Someone could just come out of nowhere and, and start mashing. Um, Victor like, Scott. Yeah, Victor Scott, 30 <laughs> home runs. Inside the park home. If we start playing a polo grounds, then maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I do think like if Contreras DHs a lot more because – he hit, I think it was what was it, 120 games last year, but he only yeah. played, he caught 80 of them. So he, he did like 40 DHing. If he DHs more, it's potential there. I think him and Herrera could combine for over 30 potentially. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I just, I also, I'm, I'm curious to see how many games he, I don't know if he'd get to play in 140 games even with as a DH, but we'll see. I just I have a story I think coming out tomorrow on the Cardinals catching situation. And or no, 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 it came out the other day about the Herrera and um, Contreras dynamic. And I think JTL Ramuto was the only guy who caught 130 plus games last year. And then like only like 12 catchers caught over 100. So it's it's a dying breed. That's for sure. Um, Yeah. My other bold prediction, though, was that Contreras and 
um, uh, Herrera would combine to be the best catcher duo in baseball, um, post the highest war. But then I looked, and Contreras, Kisner, Herrera were already second in war last year in B-War and only point one behind. I can't remember who number one was. So I was like, eh, not that bold. So I left it off. So oh, almost Andrew's there. The Sandy's uh, last bold prediction is the Cardinals will get three gold gloves and finish near the top of the National League in DRS. Andrew, three gold gloves are going to go to Jordan Walker, Alec Burleson, and Wilson Contreras. Could you imagine? Um, yeah. So I feel like this is this is fair. We had five gold gloves in like 2022, was it, or 2021? We we've won the team gold glove. Um, twice in a row in 2021 2022 the the defense just wasn't there last year um arenado i feel like is almost a lock to win it but key brian hayes is always um a sneaky threat um and matt chapman might end up in the nl at some point so that's another really good defensive third baseman um i feel like tommy edmund brendan donovan both could again contend for the utility gold glove depending on where tommy edmund plays he might even win the gold glove in center field because he was just that good last year defensively in center field in left field, Lars Newpar has a pretty good shot. Um, there's not a lot of good defensive left fielders. Like Tyler O'Neill won it twice in a row. Um, and I think one of those seasons he got hurt, um, as he as he usually does. Um, so I feel like we could see that happen as well. Um, Mason Wynn is a guy that we didn't even talk about at all yeah. um, with any of these bold predictions who easily could do that. Um, he's the highest throwing shortstop uh, in all of baseball. Uh, although MLB.com doesn't want you to know that. Uh, we'll tell you that here every time. Um, he can throw the ball like 102 miles an hour um, and because he used to be a pitcher. Look at that. Um, fun two-way players. Um, but um, he could be a really good defensive shortstop. We didn't fully see it last year, but he has all the tools to to put it together. And Paul Goldschmidt has won like five gold gloves. Yeah. First base is really weird, but I like I, I always like watching him picking throws at first base. A lot True. of a lot of first basemen can't get there. Yeah. As you went through it, I was kind of like, oh yeah, actually, they definitely could. I was gonna say this is pretty out there, but um also the other thing is like the it's not necessarily always the best defender wins a gold glove it's also somewhat a popularity contest like Juan Soto was a (laughs) gold glove finalist a year or two ago it's like what is he doing there so like if Victor Scott comes up and plays a ton and he like steals a ton of bases he also obviously has the ability to win a gold glove in center but like he might get the hype to win the gold glove in center um again I don't necessarily think he'll play enough games for that to happen uh Edmund like you said could win it in center or utility Wind could win it at shortstop. Arnado could win it at third. Donovan could win it at utility. Goldie could win it at first. I think two would be pretty like a pretty good bet. Three is bold, but it's not like it's not two out there. But it's bold. I mean, we're not we're not trying to go like insane. We're saying bold. Like it's it would be bold for this to happen. We're not saying it's impossible. Cardinals so. will play 162 games this year. None of them will get rained out and not play. <laughs> somewhat bold i don't know not really um okay so near the top of the nl and drs i like it good good job sandy okay um so then your last one which is also one i like and i think is going to happen and i kind of already alluded to it but andrew thinks the cardinals will make a splash at the deadline tell me more um so the the problem for the cardinals at the deadline most years is pitching and getting innings um but i feel like for once, I know we said this last year and we said we have six starting pitchers and everyone's like, yeah, we finally have a good pitching rotation and we don't have to add. Um, and that went horribly wrong. But I feel like for once we have the innings that we need. 
Um, we, we don't need to go out and trade for Jay Happ and John Lester because they're already on the team. Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn are just basically another version of those guys um, who Mo loves to get at the deadline. So um, who is Mo going to get at the deadline now that he can't go and get the guys that he already signed? Um, well, um, he probably has to go out and get somebody better or get nobody at all. But I feel like the Cardinals will have to uh, look at themselves this deadline and be like, hey, we're not the Dodgers or the Braves. And we want to give ourselves at least a chance to, to go out um, and beat them um, in the playoffs. Yeah. And there's going to be guys that are available. There's guys that are available every off or every trade deadline that we don't mm-hmm. talk about, like Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander got traded last year, but we thought the Mets were going to win hundred games. I thought they were going to win the world series. Um, and that didn't happen. So there's going to be teams that underperform, maybe the Orioles underperform and they have to trade Corbin Burns. Like imagine that, really? that division is really tough. And I, I never thought the the Cardinals ever had a chance of landing Corbin Burns from the Brewers, but if the Orioles struggle and they're not as good as they were last year, maybe they have to ship Corbin Burns off to get more prospects and reload because they know he's probably not going to resign with them because he's a Boris client and he's going to test free agency and he's probably not even going to sign until February, but that's okay. Um, I feel like this is the deadline to go out and make that splash because unlike in 2022, when we were trying to get Juan Soto, but didn't want to give up the guys that we were going to go use to get Quintana Montgomery. I feel like it's, the perfect time to go get that because you already have Quintana and Montgomery kind of. Um, yeah. I, I do want to go, go and sign Montgomery. Then we, then we can trade for a bat at the deadline. Um, but mm-hmm. um, I feel like there's just a lot, a lot of options now that, that we have the, the innings eaters that Mo typically goes out and gets um, at the trade deadline. So go and get, go get Dylan seats. Cause the White Sox won't trade him. Yeah. I do think um, cease is probably the one that, and, and it's not bold. Everyone thinks that's a potential one, but like the Mariners could like, I mean, I could see them not pitching well or playing well. And they need to sell something. The Rangers, I think sneaky could have to sell some pieces. Um, like as, and we're again, this is saying, I'm like, like last year, how the Mets came out of nowhere being bad. Like the Rangers could come out of nowhere and be bad because world series hangover, but also like they have a lot of guys injured to start the year. So like I could see them struggling, I'm out of nowhere and we're bad and I had to trade That's all the off. Yeah. So like there's just an opportunity uh, potentially there. I agree with this because I also think like you look at that Soto deadline, first of all, like no pitcher is going to cost what Juan Soto is going to cost. That was a generational cost they had to play. And just going to say, if they had given up what the Nationals wanted right now, the Cardinals would be in full rebuild mode. Because they would have, they wouldn't, they were not going to be able to sign Juan Soto. Or they weren't going to do it. <clears throat> we all know they can, but they probably weren't going to do it. And they also wouldn't have Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, Nolan Gorman, all these different guys right now. They'd be rebuilding. They'd be totally blowing it up. So it's glad I'm glad they didn't do it for that reason. Um, but second, like you said, like they had other holes they needed to fill. I don't think they could do that all at once. Like they probably wouldn't have addressed the rotation like they needed to. So yeah, he has cooked. Mo has cooked the last two deadlines. I think. Uh, which well uh, Henderson Wellman just put that in there, but I think the my point here is I I think this year the hope is that as they get to the deadline they've got the rotation in place because even if like unless Sunny Gray gets hurt I don't think they'll need like to go out and re- replace someone like if Lynn or Gibson or Michaelis struggle or Mats I think you probably have Thompson fill one of them and he'll be okay to be that fifth starter or Graceffo or something like that and hopefully maybe it's finally the Cardinals have an internal arm. 
uh, move up. That would be awesome. Um, so like if they do something like that, yes, they need Shohei. Good job, Andrew. Um, they don't need to go out. They shouldn't go out, need to go out and go get a fourth and fifth starter like they've had to pretty much every deadline that they've bought. And then bullpen, like it's not huge to add a bullpen piece. So I think they can do that. They definitely won't need to add to the lineup. If anything, they'll use pieces from the lineup to go out and get pitching. But I think this is the first deadline we've seen, and I don't know how long where they potentially could go after what they would define as a want. We would define them needing another frontline starter as a need, but they could go to this deadline and be like, well, we don't need a fourth or fifth starter like we usually do. We don't need a bullpen armor if we do. It's not like we need three. You just need one. We don't need another bat. We can consolidate some of those assets that we would have done to make three or four trades, or instead of trading this depth to make a trade, we can go. We can use the depth on our bench, and we can trade some of these higher-level prospects or one of our contributors to go get an arm. I love this. I think if they're in contention, this is the first deadline in forever that they could actually go do it. I thought they could have done it last deadline if they're in contention, but obviously they weren't, so they weren't going to do it. So I love it. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, <clears throat> and those are. Our five take our five bull takes. Um, we'll post them on Twitter and stuff later too, and Instagram for you guys to be able to rate them. If you're listening on Spotify, that'd be a good way to or any other audio be able to see them. Um, I'd like for us to real quick go through a couple. Let's maybe pick like five from the YouTube and five from Twitter to go through, and um, just so we don't go super long. But I'd like to at least address some of them. So, do you want to grab a YouTube one? I'll grab a Twitter one, and we just go back and forth, and we can quickly react to them. Yeah, I'll go with um, Kenny, one of our members here. Mason Wynn wins Rookie of the Year. I feel like that is a bold prediction. Um, I feel it. like there's there's a there's a couple of pretty obvious. Well, there's one really obvious NL Rookie of the Year guy that kind of like has to win or is a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a like um, it's it's definitely possible. Like um, Mason Wynn, um, if he's an above average bat um, and he um, and he plays elite defense like we expect him to one's a gold glove then i think that's perfectly reasonable for him to be in the running for rookie of the year now do i think yeah. he can beat a guy who just got paid 325 million dollars that's tough um but maybe the voters will will be less inclined to, to pick yamamoto mm -hmm. it's at the end of the day kind of a popularity contest yeah. um mlb <laughs> network had had ellie de la cruz their 100th best player so yeah that kind of tells you everything you need to know if you ask like Keith Law, he had when is his 16th best prospect in baseball. And I mean, he was higher on the bat than a lot of people have. I think people have been pretty conservative on wins bat, but like every level he started off slow and then hit really well afterwards. Now, I don't think he's going to be a 900 OPS guy in the major leagues next year, but like to be league average, wouldn't it be crazy? And if he's got, if he's stealing bases and has gold glove stuff at shortstop, that could win rookie of the year for sure. Um, Precip, I'm just going to quickly overview this one because we've um, we've already kind of addressed it from my bold takes, but he thought Gorman, Walker, Goldschmidt, Newbar, and Arenado. So five guys would hit 25 home runs or more. That's kind of fun. Um, but yes, uh, Jared Denno, so JD23889 on Twitter, <clears throat> said Matt's has a healthy season. There's 150 plus innings with a sub 3.5 ERA, and they won't miss Jordan Montgomery because of it. I like this one. I really do. Now, I don't think he reaches like the Jordan Montgomery heights that how Jordan did, but like I do think Matt's, if he's healthy, will be a lot better than people think. So I think it's a fun take. I think Sandy really likes that one. Andrew, I don't think you're as high on Steven Matt's, but I'm perfectly fine with Steven Matt's. I'm just worried about the injuries. So I feel like if we did go out and get Dylan Cease, it makes more sense to have him be a long man and then 
uh, work his way up for the playoffs as our third starter um, and then move Michaelis, Lynn, and Gibson to the bullpen um, to kind of fill those roles. But, yeah, if Mats can stay healthy, I'm, I'm perfectly fine giving him a rotation spot, and I feel like that would be really exciting. I think he's the the starter on this team with the second-highest ceiling because um, I feel yeah, like you're going to know what you're going to get out of, out of Michaelis and Gibson. Do you know where you're going to get out of Lance Lynn? He might be really good again. He's he's like two years coming from like top three Cy Young voting, but then he's also a year coming off from being one of the worst pitchers in all of baseball. So yeah, that that's kind of up in the air. So um, I don't think Lynn can can live up to 2021 Lynn, but I feel like Matt's out of all of the the players uh, out of all the starters has the highest um has the highest ceiling. Yeah. Do you have another YouTube one you want to go to? Um. Here's a fun one um, from from Keegan that they give Montgomery four years, one fifty. Honestly, with some of with some of the um, some of the rumors that are going around with all the Boris clients not signing at all, I feel like some of them might have to take short term deals, like kind of build up their value. Do you think it's possible that like one fifty for four though? Is oh, 150. 150 is actually thirty seven no. and a half. Never mind, never mind. That's, no um, way the Cardinals do no, that. No, no. no way. But like four years like one hundred could work. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's still twenty five. I think it has to fall in the Cardinals lap if it's gonna happen. But yeah. I think someone else ends up paying it. But it's bold. I like it. Um Caleb Noble friend of the podcast was on last Sunday. Again, go check out that conversation about Ollie if you, if you want to, and I'm going to throw him and Brian Quinn together. Brian's another um, awesome sport of the podcast. So Caleb said by the end of the season, there'll be no doubt this over on Twitter that the, who the face of the franchise and best player is, and that it will be Jordan Walker. And then Brian also said in a different tweet that Walker has a Bobby Witt type sophomore season gets extended for five plus years at a hundred million um, he said that last part's joking, kind of, but I do think there's a chance of an extension. I love both these takes. I think at the end of the year, Jordan Walker is one of the best young players in all of baseball in the minds of people. He's got a lot of hype behind him. He's an average defender with a, one of the best bats in baseball, and one of the best bats is in like top 30 at least, but I think he could be higher than that. And I think he's clearly the best player in the Cardinals at that point. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm high on Walker as well. I don't know about face of the franchise. Um, that's kind of up in the air that's kind of just up for debate all the time um but i feel like there's no reason not to just extend him now in my opinion i feel like his floor is already so low we kind of saw what his floor was last year his defense was terrible but he was still a really good um, plus bat and with his tools i don't see him like falling into the paul de young kind of contract i feel like honestly if you want to give him like two-thirds of the bobby wood contract right now that's something i'd be comfortable with what did he get like 250 for like 12 years like if you wanted to yeah but then there's a lot of like, options yeah. too they could get higher <clears throat> if you wanted to do like seven years for like i don't know like 150 oh easy potentially work i i would i would be be excited for that um because that's just a bargain um and walker it's going to be hard for for a guy like walker to say no to to that amount of money like that's just life-changing for for anybody it doesn't really matter who you are you extend a guy on that kind of extension and they're set for life so that he just really doesn't have to to worry about that anymore um so i could totally see him taking a deal like that and it could be beneficial like hugely beneficial to both sides even if it is Mm -hmm. a bit of a bargain for us so yeah i i like it a lot yeah Let's do one more take from Twitter. One more um, from 
uh, YouTube. I'll do one more from Twitter first. Right. Um, Cardinals fan 3504 thinks Victor Scott will steal 60 bases at the MLB level this year or more. Um, I think, it, yeah, it is. I think he'd have to play most of the season for that to happen. Um, Cunha stole 70 something last year, and uh, Ruiz had like 60 something, I think. So if he plays, if he becomes a full time player out of spring training, book it. But if not, I think it's going to be tough because I think it comes up probably June, July, second half. But I like it, though. It's fun. Um, Maybe do another one from Twitter but because um, we're okay. going to do a little bit of more of a pessimistic take. Um, this is, um, <laughs> from, it says, I'm pretty optimistic about the team overall. My only take is that fans should not expect Walker or Wynn to explode this year, which isn't to say I don't think they are excellent players. I don't expect Wynn to explode this year. I don't really think that's that's – like his ceiling is all that high offensively. Um, I don't think he's going to be above like a 750 OPS at like any point during his career. Maybe like for stretches, we'll see that. But I feel like he's going to be a fairly league average with really good defense, which is kind of what we're going to get. Walker exploding. I feel like it's not I'm not going to take it for granted, but it's something that I would be really excited to, to see how the season plays out for him. Um, he's been working really hard on everything and he already kind of exploded last year offensively. The defense just kind of took away from some of that. And um, the defense will get better. Um, he is too athletic for it to, to not get better. So um, the, I think last year Walker's rise went really under the radar because of how poorly the team played. Um, yeah. Just how, just how bad his defense was. And just in general, there were a lot of things surrounding it that, that were not as exciting for people as, as normally it would be. Like if Walker came up in 2022 and produced like that, then everyone would be super excited for Walker um, and, we wouldn't really be talking about whether or not he's like disappointing or not. Um, it would, it would just be good, good stuff. Good. Uh, and really exciting for, for the team. So um, I don't think either, either of those things are like expected to happen. I think one of them kind of already did happen. And the other one is no one's really expecting win to, to be that great offensively. Yeah. I think your point about Walker is really good where I think he actually did start to explode, but it just went so under the radar that, the reasons why we seem to be really high on him is some people just don't think realize how good he was offensively. And also that he did make strides defensively then the year. So like a full off season of work, I expect him to be about league average. I do expect him to be an amazing bat when I do think maybe we're being a little too like, I don't know. I think he could be great, but also that you shouldn't expect that from him. Um, I'll do more pessimistic from Twitter and then maybe we can round out one last um, <clears throat> one from either Twitter or YouTube, but Craig Bullman, on Twitter said Marball will be gone by Memorial Day and replaced by Yachty. So <laughs> bold. I don't by think it's Memorial Day. By Memorial Day. That's pretty so. crazy. Because considering that Yachty didn't even really want to be with the team that often this season. So I don't think that's yeah. gonna happen. <clears throat> um but that would have to mean that we play just terrible yeah. in April and May. So agreed. I, Which I don't think happens. I mean, our April is tough, but then our May gets a lot lighter. A lot of games against like the A's and the Pirates and the whoever. But um, I, I don't know. I'm scared for our series against the Dodgers. I'm going to get canceled online like 30 times because I have a Dodgers jersey potentially on my wall. Um, so yeah, um, I don't. I'm not looking forward to that. But um, I will be 100% rooting for the Cardinals to to win because I know the Dodgers don't need it. Um, and I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how, how the season gets started. I feel like if we start like two and six against the Dodgers and the Marlins or whoever we open the season against, then people are going to be angry. But um, I don't think Marmol's leash is that short. Yeah. 
Um, uh, one last one. I'll just do a last one from Twitter, uh, YouTube. Uncle Ted, here's a bold prediction. Thomas said JC will be the Cardinals' next star. Um, I love it. I hope so. I think he could be awesome. So he's got the character. He's got the makeup. He's a hard worker. He's really good at every level. Most out- outlets have him as a top 100 prospect in MLB.com. Just talked about how Sid JC is the only reason they didn't have him. Uh, they did a mailbag and specifically commented on Sid JC because they had him on like as like the next like close to the top 100 is that they think he's a little bit too aggressive at the plate. So they don't know if he's sustainable. Um, <clears throat> but they were like, hey, if he starts the year AAA hot again, then we'll have to put him in the top 100 because he's just good. Um, but then I think uh, Blake Newberry's done some good stuff on, on Viva Alberto's about him. There's some other people that have broke down to JC, but like he, even for how aggressive he is, he he doesn't necessarily have a plus like contact rate, but he hits the ball so good every time he hits it that like it kind of doesn't matter that he's that aggressive and that he doesn't necessarily like he's not a Luis Arise where he's just going to hit everything you throw at him. But when he hits it, he's not, and he's also not like a 30% strikeout guy. So he's not like a swing and miss guy. But he just he's more of like a 250 hitter for contact, but he hits the ball so well that he's gonna hit 260, 270 average instead. So anyway, so JC, I, I think he could be really awesome. I'm excited to see him. I, I just I'm so curious how they're gonna make it all work to get them all in the lineup, but I'm excited about it. Yeah, um, I feel like I don't know. I'm not I'm not as much of a like hoard all the prospects kind of guy. So I feel like trading to JC for for top end pitching talent might be smarter because um, we already have all his positions kind of filled. But um, if he if he comes up and starts mashing, then I'll, I'll eat my words right away. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to see what he what he has in store. I hope he at least builds his value this this season spring training in AAA. So yeah, excited to see what he has. I think if they have real questions about the bring back Goldie or not, I'm holding on to JC because I think Gorman or Donovan could go over to the first base, maybe Burleson, and then you really have a spot for JC. But or Contreras could play first base, honestly. Um, but yeah, we'll see. So um, again, if you're watching right now, we'd love if you like and subscribe. Helps the podcast out a ton. Obviously, uh, we kind of jokingly showed you the new news about uh, Holy Mo's Water merch, but that's a real thing. So we've got some other cool stuff on there. Sunny Gray, Noel Gorman stuff. Um, again, we also have this membership program on YouTube. So if you go on, especially on the online browser version of YouTube and you go by the subscribe button, once you're subscribed, you can click join. And we've got a really fun Discord channel going over there. And we've got some really fun, we've got our first like really cool content coming out Wednesday that's not like a traditional episode. I don't know if we want to talk about it. I'll let Andrew, if, if either you can tell him what it's going to be or we can leave him hanging. Um, but stuff like that, that if we make more of it, we might be able to start releasing early early to people who are on our discord. Um, but then also we have really fun conversations over there. So it's just a great place. If you'd like to have like good in-depth Cardinal conversations that aren't like where Twitter can kind of blow up sometimes. Um, it's just a dollar a month, but there's higher tiers too, or we'll start live streaming games with viewers and stuff soon too. So it's really fun. But again, regardless, if you could just hit the like button and subscribe, it helps us out a ton. Andrew, anything you want to say on the way out, you can talk about the episode or you can leave them hanging. That's on you. You get to decide. Yeah. Um, I guess you'll just have to, to figure it out. It was uh, six hours of editing on my part. So, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of time <clears throat> went, went into that. So I hope everybody enjoys it. So seriously, like when you guys see that video Wednesday, if you're listening now, please share with people. Um, honestly, not even just like the, just the work Andrew put into it. And we're excited to have some other types of videos that come out like it. We're just we're really excited. We think this is one's really cool. Um, so yeah, that's all we can say for now. But look out on Wednesday for a really cool special episode. Um, 
And yeah, thanks for joining. Uh, we really appreciate it. Again, like and subscribe on the way out. Uh, thanks again to Tracy's Karate uh, as being a sponsor of this podcast. And again, you can check them out. Check them out at tracys.com or at their phone number 314-821-0555. And make sure you tell them the new news podcast sent you so they just know you found out about us through the podcast, found out about them through the podcast. Um, again, Wednesday's episode will be really fun. Excited for you guys to see that. And then we'll be back next Sunday. Uh, spring training will be going by then. So we'll have some plenty to talk about. Um, until then, thanks for watching. We really appreciate you all. Appreciate the sport, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Tracy.